Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. Today's episode of the A-Game Podcast is brought to you by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. To get 20% off your order when you go to nicknick.com slash links and click under affiliates on Naked Warrior Recovery CBD, get a discount. It'll bring you to the website and you can see all the different ways you can get quality, natural, non-THC products that will not get you high. It'll just help heal your body with all the medical benefits of this one, the drug of CBD. Put in promo code A-Game at checkout to get 20% off your order. Also, if you're looking to get involved in real estate, go to nicknicknick.com. You will see on there, we have a new free ebook, which will give you a quick quick guide, pretty easy read on how to navigate your business with all the changes that have occurred from the coronavirus and the real estate industry. Uh, check that out. And that, while you're there, if you're interested in finding out ways that you can partner with us on properties, JV with us on properties, if you'd like to buy some properties from us for cash flow, for fix and flips, or if you would like to find a way to sell properties to us, there's so many different ways we can make it happen and get you in the game. Or if you're an experienced investor, we can find a way to get you scaled up. But let's make 2020 finish a strong one and get you guys in the real estate investing game for 2021 and start to build up your assets and your cash flow. Enjoy this episode. Thank you. All right. My guest today on the A-Game podcast is the author and founder of FuddleFixing.com. Uh, he is the founder of the website FigureItOut.com, as well as the author of Figure It Out, the Attention to Detail Handbook. He is the podcast and YouTube channel host of Figure It Out and... He is a real estate investor, a musician, a true renaissance man. He gives drugs to hookers. Give it up for Dan Freidenberg. Uh, thank you. And, and uh, I'd like to add allegedly. According to, <laughs> according to Gilbert Gottfried, anyway, it's, it's something that uh, it's been said. That's hysterical. For people who don't know, as soon as you sign on to your uh, website, figureitout.com, you have an amazing uh, array of people figuring out who you are. And uh, one of them is Gilbert Godfrey, and that was his assessment of you is that you give drugs to hookers. So there you have it. I'll right. He doesn't even know how to pronounce my name. It could be Freidenberg. <laughs> it could be Friedenberg. He just doesn't know. He, he's earned that. He's Gilbert Godfrey. He's, he's a legend. Right. But uh, <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate you being on the podcast. I have probably 20 different directions of things we can talk about on it. You know, I use the term renaissance man for you, but I really do feel like you are in so many different ways, an anomaly, like what I was saying a little bit before we started recording, that the, the versions of your personalities, I usually don't find all in one person. And I think that you create like a little bit of a perfect storm of things for what you do, which I think is going to relay itself into the podcasting world. I think you're going to have a very popular podcast, a very popular YouTube channel because of that. It's really refreshing. It's very different the way that you give information. So I definitely want to jump into all the different things that you do and we can touch on all these different topics. But first and foremost, give a quick intro on yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the most difficult people out there to say, you know, like, who am I? What do I do? And it's uh, a part of the reason is because um, I guess part of it is that money uh, very early in my life, it wasn't a really big motivator for me. Uh, if it was uh, like love or money, you know, I'd go for love because I, I, I found that it was uh, harder to find. And that uh, that ended up putting me in an adventure that, uh, you know, I lived in Taiwan for 15 years. Uh, I've in, you know, basically in the last 20 years, I've moved back and forth 
to and from Taiwan. Uh, it's like, what, what is that? It's like four times or something <laughs> like that. Uh, so it's, uh, like that's, that's a real buzz, but, um, you know, I was a teacher and then after that I got into technology because I knew that there was no future in that. And then, uh, in the technology thing, I just kept on working for, uh, clients with deeper and deeper pockets, which brought me into real estate. And then once I was far enough in my career, uh, you know, eventually going from, you know, becoming director of technology to becoming chief technology officer, um, I eventually got to the point, it's like, well, wait a second. I, if I'm always just getting a piece of the pie, you know, if, if I'm actually, you know, doing it myself, then, then that's going to be, I, I'm going to be able to stop trading my time for money. So, so right now that's what I'm up to, but because I was a complete digital recluse, uh, even when I moved back to Canada three years ago, I ended up calling Equifax because um, it didn't make any sense. You know, here I am, I'm, I'm doing well for myself. I'd be trying to rent an apartment or something. They do a, a credit check on me and I wouldn't get the apartment. And I'm like, I'm getting declined for an apartment? What planet <laughs> is this? And I found out from calling Equifax, it's because I was a ghost. I didn't exist. I was away for too long. And even with my, my uh, social security number, they didn't know who the heck I was. And, um, even though I was already successful, uh, my, my, my social network was pretty small. And one of the things that I thought that I needed to do to really make sure that I, uh, I'm working with the right people is I have to start putting stuff out online. And that's what I've been up to with all of this. That is outstanding. Now, one of the first things that caught my attention of getting interested in, in you and what you do is, um, we're in a mastermind together, but the guitar video you put out, you know, I, I don't talk about it much, but um, I played guitar for maybe 15 or 16 years before I hurt my hand. It's one of the only things I haven't really gone back to doing, but being somebody who played guitar, I always felt like similar with jujitsu, you know, there's levels to everything that the average person doesn't really see. But when you do something, you start to really appreciate like the next level of things. And, you know, there, there's black belts in jujitsu and then there's black belts in jujitsu there's black belts in guitar and then there's, there's black belts in guitar and you definitely are a black belt. I watched the little details that you were doing and the, the extra little things that you were hitting. And then the way that you broke those down, something as complex as an Eddie Van Halen song to be broken down into the steps that you did and to make it fun and interesting. You know, I watched the whole video and I can't remember the last time I watched a 20 something minute YouTube video, especially on guitar. And I was like, I love the fact that first off, musician, amazing guitar player. That was like, you're very, very good. Obviously, I'm sure you know that. And you were like, oh, I'm a little rusty. Ah, I got up and like killed it. But I was like, this is interesting to me because this is the ideal person that I really like to talk to. And we've talked about it that I always say how you do the small stuff is how you do the big stuff. How you do anything is how you do everything. And paying attention to those details, especially in real estate is huge because in real estate, the dollars are in the details. So if you're taking what you were able to do to learn the fundamentals and the foundations of scales and arpeggios and that type of thing in guitar, you're going to do the same thing in real estate. You're going to do the same thing in tech. You're going to do the same thing with your podcast. So I thought it was really cool. And that brought me to YouTube channel. And then I went down the rabbit hole on that. So um, I thought it was really interesting. So one of my first questions is, have you always been obsessed with details? And I did watch a video on your YouTube that I've never really heard it broken down before, but you said, there's a difference between understanding details and just being somebody who's, um, who, who observes a lot, who's observation. Yeah. 
Right, right. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I want to go back to one thing in your question there because you were talking about how you know, like, there are black belts and there are black belts, and you know, there are guitar players and then there are guitar players, right? Uh, it's also true with language. And my time in Taiwan uh, was what really drove that uh, that point home. There's something that um, you know. I'm going to pick on white people for a second. Uh, <laughs> white people in Taiwan, they have a habit. Uh, there's there's something I call the good enough valve. OK, so so it's, it's where people say, oh, I'm good enough. You know, uh, it's it, in Taiwan. It's a huge problem if you're learning Mandarin, because like if you can order uh, your, your meal in Mandarin, they will act like you just saved a puppy from a burning building. And so it's really difficult. So it, it's actually difficult to get really successful at learning the language just because the people are so nice. And they set the bar so low and, and yeah, there are absolutely levels. It's like, okay, sure. So, so you can speak Mandarin, you can go to any restaurant you want. You can read the menu. You can say what you want. You can keep small conversation. What about doing your banking? What about talking about the volatility in the market and how that's going to affect this investment instrument compared to another one? You know, like, forget it. You know, are you going to be talking about the finer points of religion and talking about the meaning of life, you know, in your Mandarin? And, and so that, that's, the, that's the thing that I think is, is most important. And um, when it comes to uh, you were asking about the difference between attention to detail and just plain being observant. Um, one of the things about being observant is you're still going to have that your attention is going to be attracted to the things you enjoy or you like, uh, whereas attention to detail implied in it because it like the grind is the other big piece. You have to have attention to detail, but but you also have to be able to grind. But um, when it comes to attention to detail, I think there's there's an implied part of it that it's not fun. And it's not what you want to do. It's, it's because you're doing something that's a means to, the, to an end. So I like to say that attention to detail has always been my get out of jail free card. So whenever I'm in big, big, big problems, whether it's my career or my personal life or whatever, what I automatically start doing is I just take an inventory of the things that are in my disposal and, you know, just like uh, just like if, if there's a, a, a crack in the dam or, or something like that, you're just looking for things you can jam in the hole to 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 stop the leak. And, and that's what uh, attention to detail has has always done for me. And the reason why I turned it into my book is because I was going like, OK, I knew that I had to write a book. Um, I'll, I'll even tell you that one of the biggest reasons why I started my show in the first place was for tax reasons. Okay. Like I like, I like having high tech stuff, but even as, you know, like a web developer or anything like that, it's not really a business expense. So what I needed to have, is like, oh, I'm not a web developer. I'm a promoter. And then of course, if I'm a promoter, all of my clients in the past leading up to, you know, I was, I was, when I was a chief uh, technology officer, that was, uh, that was something where I wasn't taking any other clients. I was doing that full time. But, um, in general, uh, uh, while I was uh, while I was working or, or in any job, I just found that um, attention to detail was the thing where, like, even if like my boss or my colleagues were kind of pissed at me for something, uh, you know, whether it was my fault or not, I found that you know people would keep on putting it aside because of attention to detail. Okay, like, like people would be, it's like, all right, well, I know that 
I don't want to go through this spreadsheet and I don't trust my <laughs> VA to go through this spreadsheet. So let's get Dan to go through it because if there's something in there, he'll probably find it. You know, and so I was going like, well, that seems to be the thing that like when I try and hire somebody, it's it's the rarest thing to get. You know, I very rarely get that attention to detail, the, the ability that um, that people have to uh, uh, put their feelings aside and just do the freaking work and, and notice the important parts and actually take it all in. So uh, so so that's that's one of the biggest things I wanted to do. But I was talking about the tax reasons thing. And I knew that just like you, uh, you like to interview people from all work, walks of life and show the same thing that, you know, like you have to bring that grind or else, you know, like it's a hobby, basically. Right. And uh, uh, for for me, uh, when it comes to uh, working through the grind and and accomplishing uh, your goals. It, it's something that, um, I, I think that it takes, it takes a fair bit of brain power. And, uh, but, but, um, when it comes to interviewing people of all walks of life, my biggest thing was, well, what if I'm in direct competition with somebody, they're not going to come on my freaking show. Right. And so I'm going like, well, what can I have? That's kind of a ruse. And so I know that this is, it seems extremely manipulative and it is, but I'm more <laughs> saying it for the, uh, uh, for the point of if anybody else is thinking about doing these things, like this is something you should probably think about. Like if you want to really interview the A players in your niche, you might not want to be, it's like, Hey, you should take coaching from me. No, you should take coaching from him, all that kind of stuff. Cause like, that's not really a great situation. But if it's a book, it's like, hey, book, buy the book. <laughs> You've got a book. Hey, buy his book, too. We can buy books. Buy books. They're cheap. Yay. All that kind of stuff. So I'm like, shit, I need a book. <laughs> right? And so I'm like, okay, well, what do I write it about? And it's, well, that's the thing that I think is um, uh, most valuable to me. And I also knew that attention to detail is something that's it's still so uh, abstract that you're not going to be able to really sum it up very easily. And it's going to be a wealth of information. So my favorite, my favorite part about writing my first book here, uh, uh, figure it out was that I re I realized a way to make it, um, encyclopedic encyclopedic, like, like an encyclopedia where I could go through the different things, the different, uh, jobs that I've been paid for. Right. And, um, uh, one of them that I include in here, which would surprise a lot of people. It's, uh, I talk about grammar. Uh, cause, uh, cause it's one of those things that, you know, like a huge part of my security tasks are just reading emails, reading posts and figuring out who wrote it and why. And, and, and so, um, grammar is something that I do think is very important to become more successful, which is why I included it. But, you know, it, it's, um, I guess the most important thing of why I wrote the book and I made the distinction between attention to detail and being observant is just to show that it, it can be improved upon. You can learn to do it better. So I love that. I love that. And you know, you, again, you epitomize what I'm always looking for in people because exactly like you said, I feel like the good enough mentality is way too common and the details really the successful people that are the elite of anything that are successful in anything that are going to take anything to a successful level. That really is the difference. And, and back to your thing about the grind, you don't even actually know what those details are until you've actually started to grind it out and then appreciate those other things. Like I wouldn't have known the level of detail you were hitting in those guitar modules 
if I hadn't played guitar for 15 years and appreciated the depth of that, just like when people watch the little things, it's those little things in jujitsu. And it reminds me in real estate, one of my, um, my commercial real estate investor friends, she always says, everybody's hiring people to watch their dollars. I do not want that. I want somebody to watch my pennies. And I was like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So I love all those different things. Now, um, have you always been in, in love with music? Because again, I, I think you're an interesting personality because a lot of the times, somebody who's very engineer, analytical, detail-oriented don't have that other part with the creativity side for things like the music and the arts. And like, again, your sense of humor, a lot of the times the analytical types are very dry, whereas you're extremely funny. Anybody who watches your videos, your range of topics and guests is so funny from, you know, world famous musician guys, composers to X, triple X rated comedians and, and stuff like that. So um, your love of the arts and music, um, was that something that you've had since you were young? Well, I think the most important thing to add is that I totally fell out of love with guitar. Uh, and it was for a very, very long time. That, that was the nice thing for me, uh, basically catching up on my reading and catching up on my guitar are the two big things where uh, I can say that part of this pandemic was a blessing. Because that's something that I want in my life. You know, it's unfortunate the circumstances that had to come out to to make that a priority for me. But um, I remember uh, I started I started guitar uh, because I was good at it. Uh, like you know, I was just you know I was playing some different uh, some tunes or whatever. I remember uh, I originally started when I was eight when my dad got me a guitar and then he taught me two car chords. And I learned those. And then the next night I'm like, hey, can you show me another chorus? Like, hey, you, you, you figure out those other two. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all right, well, go, go get me a beer. And that'd be <laughs> the end of that. And so then like a, like, you know, like week, a week or two went by of me trying to do that. And so I put the guitar away for, for four years. Uh, no, six years actually. Now I think about it. And then uh, when I was, uh, when I was 14, I got huge into Nirvana. And um, uh, I remember I was, uh, I found that uh, when I picked up a bass, I could figure out poly just from ear. You know, it's like, oh, no, no, that's not it. Oh, yeah, that's the note or whatever. And my brother was in a band and I turned around to, and I was playing around with it. And one of the guitar players, uh, and I thanked him for it this year. He didn't even realize he did it. He taught me my first power chords. Okay. And so, uh, so I switched from bass, you know, like just like a couple days of bass going over to uh, guitar. And I was, you know, I learned about, I think it was like four Nirvana songs that week in the introduction to uh, Stairway to Heaven, like the first, the first whole, whole chunk there. And I'm like, this is something I can do. <laughs> you know, this is, this is, this is clicking. I think I can work on that. And then because I was a little kid, uh, one of the things that, um, I, I decided I wanted to do is I decided I want to be the best guitar player ever. Right. And, and so I ended up uh, learning a bunch of Jimi Hendrix, uh, you know, and, uh, and I was uh, the one there, you know, it was such a different time and people now that it's just like, it doesn't even click into their heads as far as like, you know, like having to actually go to used record stores and <laughs> buying all the tapes of all the like all the Van Halen tapes that nobody listened to in the 90s because, you know, it was already, you know, passe. Uh, so so like getting getting the vinyl records, getting the tapes, learning how to fast forward and and here in fast forward when the solo was hitting, right? Because I'd fast forward the song. It's like, okay, so there's the song. Okay, neat little theme there. How's the solo? And it's like, no, 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 no. Okay, pass, next. <laughs> and then, because it, like, it, it's funny because you just hit like, even though it's goes, 
when you're speeding it up on a tape player, which don't exist, uh, you hear these super high pitch. And it's like, oh, no, 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 we'll remind one. That, that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> so there were things like that. And then, um, you know, I also uh, I also grew up in the country, so I, I couldn't really just go to guitar lessons all the time. I watched uh, some instructional guitar videos on Van Halen and all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, so so. At first, it was just because it was easy. And then the other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, like I started to, the more music I listened to, uh, the more uh, I appreciated other forms of music. And eventually, once I found out that, you know, uh, this is something that now we can finally say now that Eddie is dead. Eddie was technically a way better guitar player than Jimi Hendrix. OK, he could do things that Jimi Hendrix couldn't even dream of doing. OK, even though Jimi Hendrix was amazing, he was way fast, you know, like it's uh, like he was. But Eddie learned a bunch of things from him as well. But it, it's more difficult to do what Eddie does than or what Eddie did than what um, that Hendrix did. So what I realized, though, is that Steve Vai could do everything that Eddie Van Halen does. And Joe Satriani could do everything that Steve Vai can do and blah, 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 blah. So there are a bunch of them like that. And I realized, you know, if, if you really want to be the best, then you have to be really awesome at like every style of guitar. So I started learning classical and flamenco and, you know, more, well, I, I was a bit into blues because of Hendrix, but I got even more into, you know, what most people would call blues and, uh, and, and all these different styles, like a little bit of jazz, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and that's when I started to love music, but, uh, I got out of it because I found that the stuff where I found it was absolutely mind blowing and stuff where, you know, like I've made, I've made people cry with my guitar playing the way you want to make people cry. Not the, it's like, Oh God, we stop. You know, <laughs> make so, it stop. I, I've done that before. And so there are certain songs where I'm just like, this is so beautiful. And then like, but like people wouldn't get it. And and because, you know, like I, I'm, I am getting a lot of reaction from the guitar stuff, even though I've, I've put out a ton of content. Um, and so I am thinking that, you know, maybe a YouTube channel about that where it's just about guitar. Maybe I could do that now because my biggest problem is I'd be doing something and, and like, you know, I'd be doing a better job than usual. And then like even the people who like that style of music, they're just like doing whatever else and they're not even hearing it. It's like, guys, you know, then I'd rather just play by myself because I at least I know everybody who listens will actually be enjoying it. So so maybe YouTube's a good uh, method for that. Now, of course, you you were really asking if uh, if my love for music has always been there. And I'd say definitely not. But uh, I'm really glad that I, I fell back in love with it this year. Yeah, it's really cool. My my brother is the same way that he is very analytical, has always been really a stickler for details. He's a great drummer. <clears throat> and my buddy, uh, Pete Masello actually builds guitars for Steve Vai. I'll give mm. him a shout out too. But when my brother got into jujitsu, he picked it up really well because a lot of the same type of things where when he's teaching drums, like in every day he would get up and it was just the same routine, like practice, practice, practice and scales or whatever they do on drums. Like it was the same warm up, the same stuff. And that's what he did with jujitsu. It was the same fundamentals. And he picked up the core and the basics better than I did because I was like the next thing, the next thing, and the next thing. And he was like, no, like this thing over and over until I, I know it perfectly. So again, like when you get into real estate, all those things, I, I think that that's a really important thing. And, and I, I very much value detailed people. So um, parlaying that into what you do and the other things, I've been looking for people for funnels and it's a lot of 
hey, well, who do I use for funnels? And I, I've he- heard you say, the reason you would want to use me is because I'm the detail guy and the detail guy is what you want in, in funneling. So let's talk a little bit about what you do with funnelfixing.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, funnelfixing.com, uh, it's, it's got a couple different uh, uh, parts or departments. The, uh, the biggest one is the IT services uh, where it's like, you know, you can buy your domains, you can buy your servers, you know, hostings, SSL certificates, all that kind of stuff. But in general, uh, and, and I'm actually pivoting uh, in like probably this month or next month uh, to add an additional subscription service that I think is going to be really exciting for a lot of people. But uh, uh, in general, it, the part that involves me directly, because I've got, you know, the 24 uh, seven support line and all that kind of stuff for all those IT services. But uh, when it comes to somebody's actual business, I have what's called a funnel assessment. And because, you know, uh, uh, because I, I, I'm a polymath, you know, so I've, I'm, I've got several different skills, uh, a funnel assessment isn't necessarily just, okay, let's take a look at your funnel let's see if we can like change the colors or something like that or change the order of your upsells or something like that. But, but uh, when, when I do a funnel assessment, it could be anything like, you know, because you're in real estate, you know, something that many business people don't know, which is that there are things like self-directed IRAs that you can use so that you separate your income generating activities from your wealth building uh, activities and you reduce your tax burden big time from doing that, right? The question is like, if you have a business that's not real estate, well, how exactly do you do that? And that's one of the things that um, is not directly tech related or website related, online related that that's still inside there. You know, there's also security assessments uh, where, you know, like if you're worried that somebody can hack into your computer and steal all your information, we can take a look at that. So it really is a broad business help thing. And that's going to go into the subscription that uh, I'm going to be releasing soon. So if you keep an eye on funnelfixing.com for that, it'll be, uh, it'll be really exciting. But uh, uh, funnelfixing.com was created because I worked for, uh, for one shoppingcart.com, which is owned by web.com. And that's an e-commerce platform where people can email their entire list based on their purchases or whatever, and they can uh, accept payments online for whatever, it be, be it digital or physical products. So, you know, like I, I used to have a client who, um, who, who even sold uh, oxygen concentrators <laughs> for, for athleticism and uh, the uh, you know, others would be like supplements were always the big ones, uh, the big money makers about 10 years ago. Right. It was either real estate coaching or, or supplements or, you know, that's, that's about it as far as what would be going on. And uh, so, so I started helping those guys out and building an agency. It was called Affordable VAs. And I was helping these seven-figure businesses run their, their shopping carts, but also integrating it into their web pages. And so that's what uh, that's what got me popular. And that's, that's basically the main thing that I want to provide. But uh, the subscription model that I'm coming up with is the, the idea behind that is everybody kind of likes and trusts their web person or whatever that they have right now. And sometimes, you know, like they'll talk to support and support will say, you get he said, she said going on, right? The support will say, oh, this is the way it works or this is why it won't work. The, the, the actual tech person will say something different. And then us poor CEOs are sitting here going like, all I want is the truth. I want this fixed. I don't even care about this. So what they need is a, a disinterested third party to discuss the situation and say, hey, well, uh, 
like what actually is going on. So if they're looking for a disinterested third party, dot com. <laughs> that's that that's the subscription model I'm going for. I'm I'm trying to pair up my services, my IT services with legal services and CPA services. The idea being that um uh for the price of a lower management employee, you get all of the heavy duty uh professionals that you wouldn't be able to afford normally. So the people who are like 100 150 uh k per year and up you know, you get a subscription where, you know, you can always, you know, like you can do your own self-development as a CEO uh, or or you can come in and, and hop in one of the calls and you say, and you say, hey, this is my problem. And I say, okay, go to your developer, say you need one of these, okay? And then tell them that you're going to do this or I'll have the, um, the client who has the subscription, I'll have them bring their person in, uh, you know, their tech guy so they can talk to me directly. And if, if they know better than I do, I'll even tell them, right. And say, it's like, no, nah, okay. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and try what you're saying, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And I think that that's a, that's an exciting little business model that's approaching through funnelfixing.com, And I really look forward to it. I think that that's awesome. And for people who don't know some of what you just said, literally, if you go on funnelfixing.com, there's a bunch of free content, break stuff down. And then if you go on your YouTube there's literally many videos of this is SEO, this is SSL. So it's really cool. Like you've really simplified a complicated thing, which, which I appreciated because there was a lot of things that I didn't even know. I didn't really know what they meant. And I was like, you know what? I should watch this and understand this a little bit more because you know, the details matter. So I'll right. definitely and obviously link you up with those. Um, but something I thought of when you were saying that, is that something that you understand too? Would you offer something like for us on the real estate side, I understand real estate very well. I understand people very well. I understand sales really well. The thing that's tripped me up more than anything this year is switching everything over to, you know, Podio into call rail into all those different things, which it seems like you have a really good grasp on. And that, that stresses me out sometimes where I'm like, well, it I don't even know. me out too. That's connected. why I'm offering it. it. It's really, really stressful just trying to run your business. And, and it's set up, it's supposed to be set up for simplicity. But because I'm a developer, I look at these software packages and I'm going like, this is what happens when you let developers just do whatever they want. Okay. Uh, the biggest thing that I find is evidence that, you know, you let the developers have free reign is uh, when the labeling system is garbage. You know, you've got you've got a label in the menu for something where that word does not mean what that thing's supposed to be. <laughs> or if I'm looking for this function, that word would not even enter into my head. And and so I feel terrible for for people who are uh, who are just trying to run their business. But you were saying, is that something that you you assist with too? Like if somebody was like, hey man, like um you know again I'm I'm working on my podio but I don't even understand it enough to know that this isn't connecting to this and that's not really talking to that. Right. Is that like if somebody wanted you to assess, not necessarily a funnel, but maybe yeah. I would have you log in and assess my podio and make sure it's firing on all cylinders with all my other software. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's exactly what I'm planning with the, uh, with the subscription. Cause uh, like I keep on having people asking uh, something very similar to what you're saying. And uh, the, the problem of course is uh, uh like even even when I was the CTO of the bank, you know, it it come like I got a hefty price tag. I'm I'm aware of that. And really, uh, you know, you get somebody like uh, in in Asia or something. They've got like a, a bachelor's or a master's degree in computer science or whatever it is you want. And so, can you actually say 
that I know how to program better than they can. It's like, well, that's a that's a hard one. Okay, you know, it's a roll of the dice as far as like the person might not like might be pretending they know how to program and maybe they don't. But um, when it comes to uh, this subscription, like, yes, my my answer is that um, I, I realize most people don't want to fork out the 150k 200k or whatever for a CTO and uh, per year and really you only need a guy like me like maybe five times a month you know something like that and so I'm starting to go it's like okay well how can we make this work out better for everybody because the other problem I have is I'm helping one guy who only needs me five times a week and there are loads of other people who would really like my help, but they can't really do it. And so my answer is to sell my time to multiple people by using a subscription. So basically my office hours are from this time to this time on this day. And just like if you have a CTO, you can't just walk into your CTO's office and have them drop what they're doing all the time. And, and so, you know, you have to make an appointment. Same with lawyers, you know, it, it's... Nobody's going to think it's weird if you say it's like, oh, I can't meet on Wednesday because I've got a recurring meeting with my uh, with my real estate attorney on, <laughs> on Wednesdays. And and I just love that idea because like who's going to give you trouble? Like, I don't care if they're a billionaire. You say it's like I have a recurring meeting with my commercial real estate lawyer on Wednesdays. I can't <laughs> do it at that time. They'll be like, oh, OK, yeah, I get it. All right. So, yeah, we can do five. OK, cool. Five it is. <laughs> You know, it, it, it sounds impressive and I'm looking to do that for uh, for a very low cost. And the idea is that, uh, you know, if if I'm cheap enough and I've got four or five, 10, 100, 300, 500 people who all just want to pick my brains when I'm needed, then that works for me. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to uh, I, I am focusing on uh, on real estate companies to start with. So I'm also, uh, I'm also thinking about including somebody who wants to do uh, deal, uh, deal valuations. So, so basically if somebody, you know, they just need a disinterested third party, right? So they show up and say, okay, here's my deal. I think it looks good. Can you run the numbers on this and just get a second opinion? Cause real estate investors are, are on their own for the most part, they have to figure it out on their, on their own. So that, that's a really tough situation to be in. And uh, I like the idea because uh, anybody who ends up being my uh, deal valuation guy, you know, they can just turn around and say, hey, this is a good, do you, do you have any more room for investors on this one? And then it's worth their time. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's what I'm up to. So yeah, I, I am, uh, I am uh, making myself more available for those things, but I, I just, uh, I just love the, the humor of how, if you look at um, the videos on YouTube, you know, I'd say, talking about what I do for a living, it takes up maybe less than 10% of the total content. It might only be like 5%. It's really funny. Now you have great content in there. I love it. And you know, another thing I heard you talk about was when, when dealing with mentors and finding mentors, you said one of the important things is having somebody who's brutally honest with you, which I completely agree. And, and I have a couple of people in my life that do that. And when it happens, I hate it. I'm always upset. It always hurts but it always helps me. And I always look back and I go, you know what? I'm, I'm really happy you were because I don't have enough people in my life that are doing that. Like two times I remember getting into great shape where two times the people that I love were like, dude, you're fat. And I was like, whoa, like how dare you talk to me like that? Like, how dare you say that? And then like, I went home and I was like, I needed to hear that. 
Like I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting the Twinkie down and like, even, you know, some of the things like you said with real estate, having somebody who like, Hey, I know you want this to be a deal, but it's not. And here's what you didn't see. And here's what you missed. And you know, that honesty has really helped me over the years. And I feel like everybody needs that. My, my friend Mark is the drummer for taking back Sunday. And I remember telling him like, Hey man, I feel bad when your band first got together. And I told you that I didn't like it. And he was like, no, I'm glad you did. He's like, I needed to hear that. We switched the whole band, not because of me, but they wound up switching the whole band. And then the new band came together, which they are now. And I was like, I love this. I just didn't like that. But I feel like a dick for saying that. And he was like, no, he's like, I need more people like that around. And so I wanted to hear your take on maybe an example that a mentor or a friend or a family member being brutally honest helped push you into making a positive change. Um, uh, thanks for asking. Uh, there, there are a few things that, um, that come to mind. Uh, the biggest one, uh, for me is self-taught talk. So, you know, like, uh, I, I, I was a daily drinker when I was in Taiwan and working nights and, uh, you know, I ended up getting up, like I'm five, eight and I was, uh, I was, I, I think I hit 200 pounds, like even, so it wasn't like 210, 220 or anything like that. I'm being accurate as far as, uh, uh, where I was. And, um, you know, basically it, I was telling myself what your buddy was telling you, which is, you know, like I'd look at it at, at the mirror and I'd just be like, look at you. Oh my God. And well, well, part of it is because, um, uh, I, I, it's so funny because uh, because you know like back when I was in university I was really skinny too and uh, uh, the first summer in college I worked the door at a comedy club nice yeah and uh, and so it was nice because I got to hear all these uh, stand-up comedians do their bits like like do their sets like three times in a weekend and and so it's like oh so that's how it works and and don't worry we had another doorman who was like totally jacked or whatever so <laughs> so I was the fast talker so I still, I, this has nothing to do with anything, but it's one of my favorite stories. So I'm going to tell it anyway. So I remember, uh, I remember one time, one of the biggest dudes I'd ever seen in my life. He still probably would be one of the biggest dudes I've ever seen. You know, I showed him to the seat. And one of the things about a comedy club is you have to fill up the front first. Okay. Cause otherwise it just seems dead. Everybody like, it doesn't seem like a show. So everybody who comes early, they're going to say, no, no, no I don't want to sit in the front. Cause you know, I'm, I'm going to get my ass torn into by the, uh, by the comedians or whatever. And, uh, so I got this huge guy coming up with, with his, his, uh, his group here and see, so you need to sit there. And he says, ah, uh, you know, my, my wife's not going to like that. I attract a lot of attention <laughs> and, uh, Oh no, no, sorry. It was the other way around. The wife said, it's like, you know, I don't think we should be sitting this, this front, uh, this close to the front. Cause my husband, uh, he attracts a lot of attention cause he's so huge. And I said, yeah, well, that's, that's, you know, that's not, uh, or that's his problem or something like that. And he was standing right behind me and he's one of these guys that's big enough. You have to do one of these, right? <laughs> like, like actually look up. And, and so he's giving me as like, oh, so it's my problem. Is it? it said, no, dude, your problem isn't going to be with me. Your problem's going to be with her, <laughs> right? Your wife. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it, it's, so that was my job as far as, uh, uh, working the doors or whatever, but, um, you know, that, that really helped, uh, that really helped, you know, my impression of comedy. And, uh, it also, you know, like with Darren Frost, who you mentioned, I interviewed, uh, the dirty comic, uh, just being around guys who were just that filthy and awful that contributed to my self-talk. So the thing is I would talk to myself like that, and then that kind of pushed me in a direction of where I'd be rewarding myself for being uncomfortable. And that helped me 
lose the weight and and eventually uh, uh, quit drinking uh, completely. So it, it's that's that's basically um, uh, where that goes. I know that was a little bit roundabout, but what can you do? No, I love it. And actually, going to comedy clubs is one of my favorite things to do. I, I, I love it. I just watched uh, this the documentary on the comedy store. And then I just watched that new movie, the opening act by Steve Byrne. Both were great, but comedians are another person that I love interviewing because of exactly like you said, what most people don't realize is the amount of times that they eat shit to get it to the point that it's funny and it's on a special. And then when you finally get there, now it's out. Now you have to literally go back to like, just because you're Joe Rogan or Bill Burr or Brian Callen or whatever, doesn't mean that you now come out with new material and it's funny. It's probably guaranteed to not be, but you're going to come and you're going to take your lumps and you're going to get your ass beat and you're going to push through just like you have to take your lumps in real estate, just like you have to suck a guitar for a little while. I'm like, you know, and mm-hmm. so I love just that persistence to get where it goes and having to constantly evolve and reinvent yourself, I think it is really awesome. Um, now on the teaching side, Mm-hmm. I really think you have a gift for teaching and breaking things down and finding a good way to explain things. And I did hear you say you had some issues with some of the people in your life. Like I think a CPA was one of them where you said there wasn't really good communication. Mm-hmm. And I'm always a big component of just because somebody is good doesn't mean that they're good for you. And just because somebody's bad doesn't mean that they're bad for you. It really does have to do with individual people and how they relate and how they communicate. But I've watched you do enough videos now that I've seen you change your teaching style in the different videos, which I think is a, a talent in itself. Cause there's plenty of people that are great at guitar, but they can't teach me how to play guitar. Plenty of guys that are great at real estate could not teach me how to do real estate or do jujitsu. And you seem to be very good at that. Have you, how did you learn how to be a good teacher? Uh, one of the most important ones was, uh, was teaching English itself. Uh, so, so because I understand expression and I understand the purpose of teaching, see a lot of people, they approach teaching as something that they're doing for themselves when it's not about you at all. Your idea, you like your job is to get out of the way and let the subject matter, you know, be passed along to the person. So when I was in Taiwan, see, like when, when, I, when I was a kid, mostly because of, uh, uh, because of my mom, my mom, you know, was, uh, was really, uh, proud of her intellectual, uh, achievements and, and she put a, a very high value on those. And so, uh, you know, and, and I was always a reader as a kid, uh, in my, in my spare time, cause there was nothing else to do. It was before the internet. Right. And, uh, and yeah, my TV reception was garbage, where I <laughs> but, um, uh, because of that, you know, I always had a, a big vocabulary and, uh, and then, you know, getting into engineering and all that kind of stuff, it was something that it, it's, it's basically expected of anybody who is an academic, you know, you basically have to scare people off with your big words and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, when you find yourself in a place like Taiwan, where, you know, the, the people you're teaching, you know, like they don't understand even the simplest English words. So if you are using $20 words all the time, you're just being a jerk off. It's like, as far as I'm concerned, you know, like if you're going to, if you're going to do something, like if you're just going to speak and completely disregard your audience, then just go talk to a wall because at least walls don't have feelings. So when it comes to, uh, the act of, of teaching. And, um, so, so part of it is the vocabulary of teaching, you know, you don't, well, one of the other things that I think has come up, you know, you, you were very flattering about uh, my own job experience and, and like the different skills that I have and all that kind of stuff. But one thing I've noticed by picking apart all these different professions and skills is that there's a huge amount that people are trying to keep some secrets to themselves. 
because they're afraid if anybody knows that those secrets, then basically I'm not valuable to them anymore from a professional standpoint. Okay. Uh, basically stealing their ideas and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I should say first that that's not the case in most people. I think most people, you know, like they talk about imposter syndrome and I think people sell themselves too short, but that's just because of a function of how their memory works and they're not, they don't have the level of self-reflection to realize that there's so much more they can say on their subject than they give themselves credit for. But uh, you were mentioning guitar, and one of the the big reasons uh, why the Eddie Van Halen uh, tribute video that I did, uh, why it's so important to my body of work, and why I mentioned a bunch of things that to the audience should be utterly irrelevant if you're coming out of nowhere, okay? Like the fact that I didn't practice, that's irrelevant to people who've only seen that video. If somebody's seen a lot of my body of work, it's pivotal that I tell you, I did not practice this. I didn't even spend 15 minutes preparing for this, okay? I haven't played these riffs in months, maybe a year, okay? I don't even know the last time I played it, okay? And, and so the reason why I'm doing that is to uh, show people the difference between what's, what's fake and, and what's real. And... Um, the thing about the guitar, like as far as imposter, uh, imposter syndrome goes, the one riff that I did, uh, the last, uh, the last uh, riff that I did of Eddie's in that video was the intro to Mean Street. And that particular riff, like I was friends with other guitar players. I would, sh I would play that bit for people. I would never teach somebody that bit. I would never let them learn it from me. Okay. It was one of those ones uh, uh, in Buddhism, they talk about the, the closed fist of the teacher. Uh, they say in Buddhism, they say that there's nothing in the closed fist of the teacher of Buddhism. So he's not hiding any secrets the way that I was hiding the riff Mean Street. It's just because like, even if you watch it and see it, it like everything's hidden because you're kind of covering over each hand as you're doing it. And so my point was, I'm saying is like, I'm giving up my claim to this riff. I'm not going to be protective of it anymore i'm saying here you go and it's free and and that's one of the big reasons for my body of work is because whenever somebody is super duper successful especially if they're a coach there's one question that almost nobody can answer it's if you're so successful why aren't you doing it for free and so i'm going so when i was thinking okay i'm going to make 366 videos releasing one per day you know, how can I, how can I make it? So it's like, all right, this gets me off the hook for that question permanently. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's basically the, the, the other, um, uh, pattern that's in there. It's like, I will tell you all the things I know that are super duper useful that I'm, that are never going to make me any more successful than I already am. All of that, that's free. If you want the tech stuff, because I hate computers, that's going to cost you. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And, and, and talking now about that, the figured out podcast, what made you decide to start doing that on, uh, is that why you started doing it? And for people who aren't familiar with it, it's about if you had to start right now from zero and do a complete career shift, which the timing on that, I imagine can't be a coincidence. It, it's perfect because so many people have to do that now. And that's another reason why I do love real estate because it's one of the more natural or easier things that if, if you have to start out with something, you know, it's one of the only things I know that you can literally 
replace your annual income with one deal, maybe within a few months, if you really bust your ass and do it the right way, you can't open a, a restaurant and make all your investment back with the sale of one hamburger. So I think that that's very appealing to people is that they see that there's a lot of money, but a lot of them, like you said, they're not willing to put the time or to do the grind or learn the details, but you have a lot of other options of things like even on your funnel channel of teaching people how to teach funnels and things like that. So um, talk a little bit about the thought process behind you, what you're doing there and why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, so originally, uh, like when I started last year, it was because I wanted to get more awareness and I wanted to do more interviews. Uh, I can even tell you because, um, you know, you, you like to get your head beat in. And of course the <laughs> other big name in podcasts is of course, Joe Rogan. Uh, and, uh, I remember hearing this description that just stuck in my craw. There's this description of Joe Rogan that always stuck in my craw. It was, uh, it, somebody said that in a group of stoners, he's the one that would be known as the smart one. <laughs> and I'm just like, that just like really irked me. It's just like, okay, yeah, yeah. He, like he's a smart guy. He's, he's above average, but it's called like, that's no, that's just getting started. Okay. You want to see smart. All right, let's do something. It's like, okay. Like the political comment, the subtle political commentary that's going into my interviews, you know, it's, you know, it's definitely like an onion. And I'm really pleased about that, about how it's like, you know, uh, like I called it, figure it out because like, uh, those, those cameo videos, you watch it and you, and then it's, you feel like that's supposed to answer some of your questions on what's going on, but there's the, there's the outer level that you're supposed to understand. You watch a little bit more. There's another level inside. It's just like, Oh wow. And then another level, even deeper than it's just like, I can't believe what's going on here. Like I can't believe what I'm looking at. And that, that's what I'm kind of going for. Right. And, um, as far as I think the more important question, because uh, like I mentioned, uh, I started the show and wrote the book because I wanted to interview people and build my social media because I was a digital recluse. But um, when it comes to uh, the daily videos, that's like that's just such a monstrous undertaking. Uh, and one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to do it is because like, like there, there are a few. Uh, the, the thing that gave me the oomph to actually go for it was. I had a client who had no uh, digital background at all. So I got him to take Russell Brunson's uh, One Funnel Away Challenge. And it's, it's, a good, it's, it's a good program. It gets you to, so that you understand funnels. Uh, it's good for uh, what I call an accountability partner, which is something that I think is uh, missing overtly from when people are talking about their coaching program or something like that. There has to be something that, that pushes you to make this the next step instead of just preparing and preparing and preparing. So you're preparing to prepare and you're never (laughs) going to get anywhere. Right. So, so one funnel away is good for that. But in one video, uh, Russell Brunson said, if you put out one piece of content or one video a day, you're never going to need to worry about uh, finding an audience ever again for the rest of your life. And I'm just like, well, how could I do that? And then it hit me is like, Oh, the only way I could do that is, and then it hit me the only way I could do that. So just do it the only way you could do it. And, and so uh, one, uh, one was the audience thing, but the bigger one is that because I started my agency directly after working from one shopping cart.com and I was, and I, I was picking and choosing who I'd contact as a potential client, all of my, uh, all my clients uh, except for one who uh, she's um, uh, she focuses on helping uh, kids and teachers and parents uh, of, of children who, um, children who have hearing loss. 
And so that was like a good thing where, where I, I, I'm, I felt that that was a worthwhile cause. And so I worked a lot with her, but other than that, they were all seven figure businesses. And, uh, if somebody turned around to me and said, okay, Dan, you know, you're the expert on all the digital stuff and marketing and, and making all this stuff work. Well, there was one big hole that I realized in my resume, which is I've, I've, I've helped rich people get richer, but I've never started somebody from zero and then turn them into something big. And one thing that's required of that is, you know, getting that online presence built like that. So if I, if I claimed to, that I could help a startup get humongous, I was lacking in proof. And fortunately, because I got the tech background, I knew uh, like who you have to talk to for editing videos, like uh, what you can do for as far as techniques to, uh, to get your copy and content ready to, to put out there and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to do that just so I, I can say I've been through the process. Uh, like for example, I know an answer to a question that I think just about everybody would like to know the answer to, but I bet everybody gave up before I did, which is here's, here's one of the other big secrets of figure it out. It's 100% organic, 100% organic. I haven't spent a dollar on ads. But obviously the cameos were not free. So I was going like, if you spend money on everything except ads, how, to what degree is everything pay to play right now? Cause you know, like uh, I used to work for Josh Cantwell. I watched him dump 150 K on ads in over the course of like, it was like two or three months or something, you know, just like really, really fast, big, big, big numbers. And, and as I was running it and I'm watching the, the, the numbers and, and the sales and all that kind of stuff, I'm going like, you know, if I build a page and put it up on our site, which has got a really, really great ranking, nobody's going to arrive there unless we buy an ad to send traffic there. It's all pay to play now and is organic possible. And so that's the answer that I'm trying to get. And so that's, and it's, it's a really weird experiment, but I'm doing it. So I also understand the YouTube algorithm uh, intimately, the Facebook al algorithm intimately. And, and, um, I guess just to give value to, uh, to the audience, one of the most important things that I've realized from putting out such a massive amount of content, cause I put out these interviews on top of the one video per day, right? So it's, it's just, it's just a massive amount of work. But the thing that I found is that, um, the like Facebook and all those, they won't let one person talk to you there in the internet. They won't let them sh you show up in somebody's feed again and again and again and again and again and again and again. They won't let you spam your people. And that's good for you because if you put out the content, their algorithm is saying, hey, I know every time somebody says something about, say, Trump, you just blow up all over it or you know, you're super happy about it. Let's show this guy more stuff about Trump, okay? The same thing's going to work for when you're hitting your own social media uh, audience is the more stuff you put out, it's going to choose the stuff out of what you put out to show each of those uh, people so that they'll end up having this impression of you that I think you don't even understand. Like, like you, wouldn't even, you wouldn't even click in. It's like, oh, that's what they think of me. That's the stuff that they've watched. And, and personally, I love having all these different topics out because if I meet somebody now, you are a huge question mark to me. I have no idea how much you know about me and it could be a ton. <laughs> so, 
that's that, that's what comes to my mind anyway about all awesome. that stuff. I love it. Um, now I I do want to hear a little bit. You use the phrase uh, you want to use real estate to replace your tech check. Mm-hmm. So what was it about real estate that really attracted you? I didn't know you work with Josh Cantwell. That's interesting too. Um, so you've obviously been around real estate players. I know you said you've been surrounded by people that had some big pockets and stuff like that. But um, what is it that attracted you to find real estate as the thing to kind of take over everything financially? And what kind of real estate stuff are you into right now? Right. Well, uh, as far as, uh, you know, the, the rock and roll image go, uh, goes, I do play up the fact that I hate computers, uh, a little bit more than the truth. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a ton of truth to it because like, you know, my problem as a programmer, I know how it could have been programmed, but it isn't. And I'm just going like, Oh, come on guys, you can do better than that. And, uh, uh but at the end of the day, I remember that, uh, I ended up uh, becoming a teacher and moving to Taiwan because I didn't want to be stuck in a cubicle. Now, I haven't been stuck in a cubicle. I've been in a corner office, of course, it's <laughs> of my apartment, <laughs> you know, with like big windows and stuff. And, and that's been like, I've, I've been working from home for 10 years now, right? And so that's, that's really what, um, what's been when going on uh, uh, for me and, and uh, you know, like just, just being sitting there at the computer, I've, I've become a lot more comfortable with it. I feel awful for everybody who's been going through the stress of the pandemic and learning the remote work stuff at the same time with all the struggles you have with family and just like, you know, it, it takes a while to be able to turn around to your family and say, Hey, do you like eating? Good. <laughs> because you need to leave me alone or else we're not going to be doing that. Cause this is work time. Okay. So <laughs> leave me the hell alone. You know, you, you got to learn how to do that. And that's really tough when everybody's scared shitless about, you know, uh, a disease that, that might be, uh, really debilitating and, you know, and there's not a whole lot of truth to be found uh, out there right now. So uh, as far as uh, real estate goes, it it's really just a matter of understanding the numbers and knowing it's like, okay, so I, you know, like income is one thing, but you know, like what if something happens to me? What if something bigger comes up and I don't want to spend time on that? Uh, when you're, when you're in real estate, then at least there's passive income opportunity, uh, where, you know, as long as you've got your managers, so I'm, I'm focusing on, uh, on multifamily, uh, instead of, uh, instead of, uh, just normal residential, dental, uh, single family. And that's because I'm going like, okay, well, I know the tech stuff. I know the scalability, all that kind of stuff. Where's the bigger and bigger, bigger money, uh, uh, coming from right now. Now, of course, because I've been hanging around with Tim and all that kind of stuff, I'm also looking at uh, just normal businesses and not necessarily uh, apartment complexes as well, because the math is about the same. And uh, and I think that that's one way where I could further leverage my skills. You know, sure, like because I've you know studied engineering and I pay a lot of attention. You know, like you were saying, the importance of uh, uh, attention to detail in real estate. And like one example of that is being able to spot water damage or termite damage or, or, you know, things like that. And, um, if, if you're just an aloof person who doesn't really like looking around them, then yeah, you're, it's going to cost you and you, and you might end up behind the eight ball because you've got these enormous uh, renovations or repairs that have to be done that you didn't budget for. And, uh, and who knows what, uh, what that'll do as far as your investors go. So basically right now I'm partnered, um, uh, I've partnered with a few different people to uh, to take down deals, but right now, just because uh, it's uh, the the podcast is starting up, it's uh, it's really just a matter of you know I'm I'm starting to get people uh, messaging saying hey check out check out this street you know it it could you know could be 
a complete tear down and, and rebuild and stuff like that. And, uh, but the main thing is, uh, I'm, I want to do deals, uh, through, through the podcast as well, you know, just basically getting to know, uh, everybody in this and then, uh, get a nice working relationship and then just get a few buildings, uh, that, uh, that, uh, we got some equity in and, and doing more stuff like that, giving, uh, and, and part of it is that because, uh, doing podcasts and stuff like that, it's something that's so easy and cost effective, uh, for me. I'm also uh, providing a service uh, to other investors where like if they want a little bit more uh, uh, visibility online, then we can make that work. So that's where I am in real estate right now. It's, it's just, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just uh, in the, uh, the networking phase and, and uh, when, when things are coming up and it's a slam dunk, you know, we're taking it down and I got the people with the experience to cover uh, uh, the holes in my knowledge or experience. That's outstanding, man. I love that answer. You're 100% right that building that in the background and surrounding yourself with people who already have taken those mistakes and those beatings, I think is, is huge and necessary in commercial real estate because the stakes are so much higher in residential that those mistakes could literally cost somebody their life savings. So mm-hmm. I think what you're doing is awesome. Um, I, I'm looking at the time and I've had you for almost an hour. You got like another five, 10 minutes, maybe? Uh, yeah, I got, I, got, I got a good chunk of time. I got about another hour, actually. Okay, cool. All right. So there's a couple other questions I definitely want to hit you with now that you gave me the green light. One of them is, one of my biggest struggles, actually, a lot of the guys that are in our mastermind, when we go around and we say, hey, what's everybody's biggest struggle? It's figuring out what to focus on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you are inviting yourself into this bubble of shiny object syndrome. Like it, I, I, I was getting stressed out looking at all the different topics because I was like, if I was him, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to be a comedian. I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to be a real estate guy. Like, how do you have these great conversations with these people who are passionate and successful in what they do every day? and not constantly go in a different direction for what you're going to do or focus on? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, one of the biggest things is uh, just, I had the purpose figured out before I started. And I knew that that gave me a huge advantage. Uh, Like the other thing is my security background. I also knew the things that I wouldn't want uh, to release. And, and that's part of like, part of what I'm up to is uh, being uh, I'm, I'm trying to be cancer, uh, cancer, cancel culture proof. Boom. Okay. And, and what I've done is I've done uh, a trick that, um, that politicians do, which is, uh, they create the narrative. And as soon as you have a narrative, then anytime somebody wants to talk shit about you, they have to do it in the context of the narrative that you've already created. Okay. And, and so that's basically what I'm doing. So, so I know that, uh, one of the biggest things, like if you're walking into real estate at all, what's going to happen is you are going to have people who are going to blame all of their problems on you. You know, oh, you're a capitalist pig, you know, you're just, you know, wealthy landlord and all that kind of stuff. You know, part of figure it out, I keep on saying it is, you know, like if if the more you point it towards me uh, personally, the more difficulty you're going to have actually finding out what the hell is going on. And the reason is because that's not what the show's about. It's not about me. And, and so that's, uh, that's one of the fun things. So uh, I knew, and, and like, that was also why I knew that, I had to have some sort of branding involved in the body of work that I was putting out for, you know, YouTube algorithm reasons. And so at the end of every, actually in every single episode, I'm wearing a funnel fixing hat. Okay. Uh, I 
I even uh, did you see that I got a a digital avatar, a fully AI powered uh, digital avatar of myself? No, no. But I saw the interview with the guy who does the beam. If you can't be there, beam there. Right, 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 right. Exactly. And and the reason is because I knew that if I've got a fully digital AI, then I can put it into a hologram. And that basically means I'm completely immortal. Okay. My <laughs> digital version of myself can say more than I ever could in my entire lifetime. <laughs> right. Amazing. So, so it's, it's a bit of a buzz out there. Right. And so like every single episode, uh, every single video, you know, I'm wearing this hat, even my digital avatar, it's wearing that because I would not recommend to anybody for security reasons, getting a, uh, a digital avatar is a very, very bad idea. Think of your parents. Okay. What if a video of you, and it is so good. If you tell me, no, 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 that doesn't look real at all. I'll call you a liar. Okay. It's actually taken from, you know, like, like a, like an expensive camera, video footage, you know, all these different samples and, and all this kind of stuff. And like, if you personally, if you, if a video was sent to your parents saying, mom, I'm really in trouble, please send money, blah, 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 blah. They'd send it. So that's why you should not have a digital <laughs> AI. Right. But I got my hat. So probably nobody's going to steal it. But you know, uh, the other thing I do in every single episode is show my books that I have here. Right. And, and say, it's like, oh yeah, that's what I'm here. I'm here to sell books. I'm here to sell books when I'm actually finding out data and giving content that should get people's attention. And then, uh, the real trick of figure it out is if you shake in my hand, you'll know exactly what I'm doing. If you just show up on the site, it'll take you ages to figure out. And that's on purpose. It's because, you know, I want to have something that is so vague as the first layer, but impressive that, you know, it, it, it gets me to the next step of where I want to be in, in our relationship. So, um, it's, you know, it, it is absolutely manipulative and I'll own that. It's not, it's not a nice thing to do. Uh, even, <laughs> even me getting the, uh, the cameos, getting these people to uh, say things like there, there's a, there's a girl who, uh, she always does all of her videos in her underwear and I don't like, I don't like objectification of women. Uh, I do like eyeballs, uh, on my content and that'll sure help. But I'm going like, well, how do I, how do I shake people's preconceptions? You know, people see some girl in her underwear and they expect it's like, okay, well, she's probably got no brains. So I'm like, okay, well, tell me everything you can tell me about uh, increasing your social media audience and, and, uh, and impact. And then as soon as she started talking about something that's actually smart, I noticed I immediately forgot she was in her underwear. I'm busy paying attention to her. And, and I think that that's something that people need to be able to do is they need to be able to uh, stop paying attention to, to the, the group that somebody's in and just go, okay, this is a person, you know, and, and just be on that level uh, of conversation with people. So that's, uh, that's, that, a great that's answer. basically the background. No, I love that though. And you're hundred percent right. People, people get upset with people like us with the, with the real estate side of stuff, but how is it any different? You know, you have to use whatever type of lead generation or attention grabber you can. And I don't know why people are okay with, you know, some chick in her lingerie, but they're not okay with you putting some computer thing up there or saying you want to sell an odds that's misleading. You know, it's very convenient the things that people justify what's okay and what's not. But at the end of the day, everybody's trying to do the same thing. You know, they're trying to get eyeballs on them. And if you can come up with something to, to angle that, I, you know, more power to you. And I, I completely agree that it's almost, 
you know, um, the, the, the intelligence side of it, it's always, it's, it's something that later in life I've become very attracted to and very, very cognizant of is I really admire intelligence, which I, I didn't see it earlier in life. And now I, I really do. And I picked it up. I picked it up with you right away. I was like, this guy's very intelligent. And I like that. It was one of the things I liked about Rogan was not necessarily, he, he is intelligent, but he's open-minded as well. Mm-hmm. He's not very set in his ways. He'll, he'll interview somebody and he'll be the first person to say, I just interview people and I regurgitate what they teach me. And then somebody else comes on and they'll overfact that person. And I'll, I'll retract and say, I was wrong. I was just repeating this other guy. Now it's this other thing. But I like that one day he'll have a politician on them. Then the next day he'll have a Bigfoot hunter on. Then the next day he'll have a scientist. And the next day he'll have, you know, like some guy from the Bunny Ranch. And yours were a little bit similar that you were like, this is SSL. This is real estate. Here's Fatty Bamichi talking about SEC. Okay, now we're going to talk about fisting livestock. And I was like, this is all within the same 20, 30 minutes. So I think that that's awesome that you can be so intelligent and also be so open to all these different topics in there. So, you know, going full circle with this, I did hear you bring up a discussion, which I thought was extremely important about how intelligence is actually sometimes an Achilles heel, which I thought about right away when you said that the amount of knowledge that I have now soaked in with all the things that are out there and all the experience I have, I found has almost crippled me that I used to do so much more when I knew so much less. Cause I would just go out there. I didn't know any, almost like a kid. They just tell you to do it. You do it. Now I overthink all these things because I have all these experiences and I almost wish I could unplug it and dumb myself down because I was more productive when I was thinking less. So um, I almost envy some of the people that just, oh, I'm just going to go out there and run into a wall. Um, so talk about that a little bit of how being intelligent can actually be a crutch in some situations. Well, uh, when I, when I did that video, I was trying to say a double-edged sword, which is that, uh, to say that that's, that is something I've been saying since elementary school, actually, because, uh, some people would look at intelligence as an enormous advantage and, hey, this is wonderful because I can understand all the stuff that nobody else in the room gets. That's fantastic. But the side that I, the reason why I call it a double edged sword is because it means you're noticing and understanding all sorts of things that you'd much rather not know or understand. OK, uh, so like, for example, with news, I'm trying to think of an example well, you already mentioned fisting livestock, so that, 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 that's, that's being uh, like, that's just like totally nuts. But uh, an example of uh, from reality land, uh, what I'll do for everybody in the audience who really, really hates scary stuff, I'm going to raise my hand. And when I put it down, then I'm done using the turn. Okay, so when I raise my hand, plug your ears, audience. And then when I put it down, then unplug your ears. Okay. Cornea harvesting okay that is the scariest most real gross thing that i can think of as far as something people do that i'm aware of and it's horrific okay it's utterly horrific uh uh and and so we we can talk about that later to to define (laughs) it if if, because i I see some question marks on there it's just like if 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 you're listening and you knew what that was then you're just going like oh yeah totally that's like the worst thing that people do it's the worst thing that people do um yeah it's uh when it comes to uh those those harsh realities uh you know it's part of uh, having a good memory, you know, it's, it's like how people say you can't unsee certain things. Uh, so, so that's, that's one of the big things that I noticed. I'm, I'm basically saying, don't be jealous of smart people. 
Don't be jealous of smart people because it is definitely not all fun and games. Uh, for me personally, uh, I'm always, I'm like, I'm literally, I'm constantly on at least step three mentally of anything I do. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, so this is the first, okay, so that's going to react to that. And then because of that, then all of these things are going to be happening. And so I'm looking out for that. Uh, I'm, I'm always thinking well in, in, in a row. And, uh, but of course that's the sort of thing that like even family will have trouble, you know, clicking in. It's just like, no, I, I keep on telling, uh, telling people don't try to read my mind because whatever you think I'm thinking, I can basically guarantee that's not it. <laughs> okay. Cause, cause you're probably going on the first level or the second level in, and that was that fast. And the stuff that I'm thinking about is, is levels, uh, even, even further down the road. Like, as far as like, you know, what, is, what are, you know, the people who aren't even involved in this situation right now, what if in 20 years they come back and look at this, you know, so like I am thinking of my body of work in the terms of, you know, uh, it lasting thousands of years. Uh, I, 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 I've got that part figured out and, and who's like, you know, I even, I'm even aware that, um, just because, uh, if you took my daily videos and you started playing the first one and you watched them in order, you didn't pause them or anything. It's at least three days worth now. Okay. Nonstop. And, and so that right there, pretty much no human's ever going to consume even a large chunk of it. Okay. But it's entirely possible that an AI will. So. I'm also phrasing things the way I do for people who don't even speak English as their first language, but also for an audience that might not even be human. Huh. Okay. And, and the reason why I know I can do that is because of the linguistic tricks I learned while, while teaching English. So, so that's, that's part of what I'm up to, which um, I don't think most people are doing, but as far as the biggest advantage, especially for, uh, for podcasting uh, and, I don't know how I can say this and still seem like a nice guy, but, but uh, the truth is most people don't really have much of anything to say and they're not very practiced at saying it. Okay. So, so uh, when I say they're not very practiced, most people don't get that much opportunity to talk. You know, some people don't even want to, but if you want to get good at talking, you have to talk a lot. If you want to, good at, want to get good at writing, you have to write a lot, you know, all of these different things. And, uh, one thing that's a blessing is that now, because I have a main theme, uh, that, that I'm up to, it's really, really easy for me to put out this amount of content. Whereas for most people it wouldn't. And, and it's just a matter of that. I made some really, really weird choices in my life as far as like moving to the other side of the world and staying there for that long. Like that, that's, I think that's the biggest thing is like, you know, everybody's changed when they live in another country for like a year or two or something like that. But it's, it's just not the same as spending like five years there or, or something like that. It, it's, uh, you know, getting people where it's like, you know, uh, I guess it's, it's like, you know, people aren't as excited about uh, getting to know you because, oh, well, that's the guy we see every day. Whereas like when you're <laughs> new, then it's like, you know, it's, oh, oh, what's, what are you all about? And all that kind of stuff, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it definitely does. And that, that was actually leading into another question I had living in another country like that for so long, what was one of the biggest things that you picked up as about people or life from that experience? Mm -hmm. uh, one of the biggest ones would be uh, uh, history and, uh, and uh, the, you could call it dogma. You could call it inculcation. You can call it indoctrinating. 
basically, every country has their own uh, history of their own country. And I'd say that, like, for example, Taiwan uh, is the one that I'll be the most critical of. They set up some of the founders of their democracy, like Sun Yat-sen, uh, to basically be like George Washington. But, you know, it's, it's, Sun Yat-sen was no more like, uh, like George Washington than Ida Hercules. Uh, so, so basically, um, uh, they say like, well, like Sun Yat-sen, he wasn't even physically in the country when the revolution was going on. So that is a bit different from being George Washington and being an actual active general and, you know, all those sorts of things. But, um, uh, basically it's interesting to hear each different, uh, uh, country's education system and their way to convince people that they should be patriotic. Okay. And, and so like America has its own way. I was fortunate enough to, uh, uh, work for one school where we used, uh, supplementary textbooks for the American system. So, uh, all the way from grade, uh, one to grade six, it, it has every subject. So geography, math, uh, uh, world history, American history, all those kinds of things. And so I had to teach those books, all of them for, for about three years anyway. And, and so, you know, so like the stuff that's in that series of books, I've got it locked and I basically know how, uh, Americans teach their kids about history and how they frame why it's important to defend America, why and and why Taiwanese people say why it's important to defend democracy against China, why in Canada it's important that I don't know that we're not Americans. <laughs> Basically, uh, the the Canadian side of that is like, oh well, we're still you know buddy buddy with the UK, but the Americans aren't, and but that's okay because you know we have all these wonderful British traits, which are very very dubious it like i don't really think they're that big in advantages but uh <laughs> but but you know, it, i found it's really interesting to see that because of of how people end up thinking uh about uh about what their role in society is and of course when it comes to asia um i i had somebody on my uh on my friends list on facebook recently uh taking a piece out of out of china and saying that uh oh well you know they should all revolt against it and all that kind of stuff and the fact is that's naive uh and the easiest reason to explain why it's naive is there's 1.4 billion of them okay like you're gonna okay like if you want to make a generalization about seven people you know, then, okay, sure. Then there's a pretty good chance that you're going to be on the mark, but 1.4 billion different, you know, like needs, beliefs, all that kind of stuff. That's a tough pill to swallow. There's like, there's hundreds of different uh, dialects and languages in the country. When the government is trying to do their annual meetings or whatever it is for, for, for the entire country, they can't even understand each other's Mandarin. Okay. So, so they're all speaking Mandarin because they learned it in school, but their accents are so, so thick that, you know, it's, it's just complete chaos. Nobody understands what anybody else is saying. Uh, so, so like that's something that, uh, that has to be understood. But the biggest one is how much Asian people buy into group first, individual second, whereas Western culture is individual first, group second. And, and if, and that takes years to really get it stuck into your head so that like you understand, yes, like the complaints, the reason why this person said that uh, China should revolt, they've got a good reason for it, but their reasons based in 
ways of thinking that the, the people in China, they had like, that's not even, that's not in their culture. It's not something that people talk about. It's just like, it's, it might as well have come from Mars, you know? So, so just understanding exactly how different people are and um, what they'll do in different situations. And then also just the way that um, they get people to join into society and play along and, you know, basically take their, 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 their funny paper and use that as like why they spend 80 hours a, a week of their effort, you know, just all going for cash and stuff like that. It's a weird thing to think about. Right. But, you know, everybody is saying, sure, I'll work my entire life for, you know, funny money. Mine looks like monopoly money. <laughs> but anyway, it's incredible. So I, I like to do what we call the victory lap and uh, giving you the last final few questions here. Um, you've been very generous with your time. Again, there's still tons of things I can go into with you. I think you're a very interesting character that can talk about a ton of different things. First thing I, I want to ask you. days. I proved it. <laughs> yeah, you did, literally for <laughs> 365 days. All right. What's the worst job you've ever had? Worst job I've ever had. That's a good question. Uh, uh, I can tell you the part, like the, the first thing that popped into my mind, it was actually a specific task within a specific job, which was also working the door at that comedy club. The nastiest part was uh, I had to clean the washrooms and the part that uh, bothered me the most, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the ladies room, you know, like whatever, it just basically looks like an injury. Right. But, uh, but uh, the one was uh, for, for guys, I don't know if you're aware of this, but pretty often uh, guys will sneeze at the, at the urinal. And so where the head like in front of the head, there's just like all sorts of boogers and stuff <laughs> on the freaking wall. And you have to take a cloth and wash that drown. Oh, you know, oh. while, while you're like, while you're in front of a, a urinal that might be smelly as well. So, so that would be, that'd be the worst task within a particular job as far as, okay. So, and you weren't asking about employers. Um, and, uh, but as far as like stress goes, you know, like um, customer service is brutal because uh, anything that goes wrong with the product, you know, they're going to yell at you first. And even if you're, you know, uh, e even if you actually care about um, uh, about what that person feels, which I absolutely did. And I've seen that kill all it basically kills all support reps. It's like you know, it's the abuse that, that gets people and knowing that, you know, if you turn around to your superiors and say, Hey, I've got five different customers that are all complaining about the same thing. This should be an easy fix. Why don't we do something about it? And then, you know, you just get completely ignored. Uh, that's a really tough one. Um, oh, teaching. My worst teaching job was definitely, um, because, uh, even uh, that was one of the tough parts about me changing careers from being a teacher to getting into tech was, uh, I've always uh, done my homework to ensure that I'm, you know, on the upper side of, of pay within that category of jobs. And, uh, so one thing I ran into once is there was a school with really big financial problems and they hired me to basically save it. And it was, it was kind of a too little, too late situation because they already got all the kids who, uh, were chronic misbehaviors. Okay. So I remember one time there was this kid, uh, you know, like having kids who constantly talk about their wieners, that's, that's always a drag, uh, in a mixed class. 
But uh, like, I even remember one kid that like, literally I looked away. It wasn't even two seconds. You know how most people, oh, I only look for a second and it was way longer than that. In this case, I can promise you it was two seconds. I'm looking at the kid. I turn around, I start to write something and I turned around in that amount of time. He's already trying to jump out the window. Oh, and that was on the first floor. So it wasn't like overly safe, but it, it was still one of those things where, you know, it's like, kid, dude, <laughs> like really? So, so that, that one was a real, a real drag. Uh, I think, I think that's, that's not a bad collection of worst job. No, that'll definitely do it. Um, next question is if you had a time machine and you had to go back in time and a younger Dan Freidenberg came and asked you for advice, what advice would you give a younger you now knowing what you know? Yeah, uh, that's something I spend a ton of time thinking about. And, uh, and you know, there's the regular cop out that says that, oh, I wouldn't change a thing because it made me who I am. But I think in my case, that's even more true than normal. Because uh, like one of the biggest things for me, you know, like that's why uh, in when I was interviewing you uh, in, in our little uh, in, in my in my show, uh, I was talking about how. Um, Shit, I just lost my chain of thought. So you might want to make the, mark the time there. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna plug my computer in a second too while you took a. Uh, the idea of going back in time and giving myself advice back then uh, is something that I spend a lot more time thinking about than I think most people do. And uh, I there's the uh, there's the regular cop out of saying it's like oh well I wouldn't change a thing because it would make me someone different, but. Uh, I'd have to say that podcasting is like this body of work that I have out there. It's, it's the number one reason right now why I wouldn't change a thing. And it's for that reason that I was saying earlier of where it's like a lot of people really struggle to find anything to talk about. Now, of course, part of it is that, you know, maybe there's no context to say anything else. Like if you've got a real estate podcast, there's not, it, there's really isn't much wiggle room uh, other than just basically copying everybody else. It's let's talk about liens. Let's talk about, you know, seller financing, all of these different things. And I feel awful for those guys because I was always afraid of, uh, of writer's block and things like that. But um, as far as, yeah, because like that's, that's the problem is like when I think back, and, and this is a recent thing, if you had to ask me that before a lockdown, my answer would be very, very different. Uh, so, so like one of the biggest things, uh, I guess, I guess one thing I'd say is uh, don't be so afraid of expressing yourself because uh, I didn't want to express myself just because I know that um, when I'm in normal conversation, I can be very, very hard to follow. I try very hard to make sure that that's not the case. And the way that I do it is like, okay, so in my head, like when I'm about to explain something, I'm like, okay, so I think this person isn't aware of these three or four things. And so as long as I know those four things, then I go, okay, I'll go through number one, then I'll go through number two, then I'll go through number three, then I'll go through number four, then I know it's coherent. I've done my piece, you know, hopefully that worked. But the context is always lacking, you know, when you're just meeting somebody, somebody you know, random. It's like, you know, Hey, have you thought about using attention to detail to improve your career or your business? It's like, well, obviously not. And it's not a great sales line, but, um, you know, it's, it's all part of a, a bigger experiment. So right now I wouldn't change anything that I did in my life just because it gave me stuff to talk about at a moment's notice. And, uh, and like the teaching, you know, it was a lot of, uh, like what I end up having to do. It's like, okay, well, you want to know, 
about this subject. I'm the person who's supposed to tell you, so I'm going to do the best job I can. But, uh, but yeah, don't be, but my advice to, to myself and therefore just about anybody else is don't be as afraid, uh, of expressing yourself. Um, you know, but like, as far as like career decisions, the timing, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of it, even though there was so much of it that was profoundly miserable. Uh, it was like, the, it's, like feeling trapped. Like, honestly, that's one of the biggest reasons why I have this topic, this recurring topic and figure it out, which is what would you do if you had nothing? You had no friends, you had no family, you had no cash. Okay. Like it's like it, and also finding out, is there, is there an opportunity? And the reason is because when I was, when I was 30, I was quitting teaching. I was going into a tech support job because those are the those are the guys who would take me uh, uh, from from where I was because all my experience was was all in Taiwan. Um, I was I was emotionally desperate. I was emotionally desperate to find something that would work, and I wouldn't hate what I was doing absolutely every single day. And so that's why I'm so attentive of going to all these different experts and saying, okay. Let's just say somebody wants to become a Broadway opera compo- uh, a performer. Okay, they, that's what that's exactly what's in their heart. How the heck do you do that if you don't have anybody who you know who can sing? You don't have money for lessons. You know, you, like you, you don't like you don't have an in at all. And so there's a soft spot in my heart for anybody who's willing to put in the effort and actually, and actually do it. And so I, and, and the other thing I feel bad for is like, I know, I know what I've got going on in this old noggin here. And I know it's not normal. It's not (laughs) typical. And so I'm going like, well, I know the other thing, if you're not that swift, the other thing that can get in your way of success in these things, even though you have all the right pieces and you don't know it, it's something that a smart guy can come along, tear the topic around, make it accessible, saying, here you go. This is what I found is utterly important. And so now I've taken the brain work out of it. Go kick ass. That's what I want to do. And I want to do it for free. And so that's that's what I uh, what I ended up doing. And so now basically I can I can stop uh, like, like basically once that's done, I don't have any imperative to to really um, uh, pay it forward. Cause that's what I'm trying to do is that, you know, uh, through, through, through my own perseverance, a bunch of situations that were in between a rock and a hard place, you know, uh, uh, you know, no offense to Josh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he didn't really want me to be CTO and all that kind of <laughs> stuff when I was director and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going like, dude, you know, I gotta be on an upward trajectory, man. It's, it's like, so, so like doing things like that, um, I remember telling people when I, when I was asking for my promotions about it and they're just like, it's like, ah, uh, man, I wouldn't do that. That's just, it's, it's too risky, man. It's too <laughs> risky. And, and I think that's what most people, th- those are the kind of people that uh, most people are surrounded by. It's people who say, it's like, nah, you can't do that. Now nah, you can't do that. Now nah, you can't do that. And if you could just have access to one person who actually pulled it off, you'd be so much further ahead. And so I'm like, okay, well, if I put out these videos, maybe I can, maybe I can help a few people with that. And, and that's more than enough for me, people who can be capable and kick ass. If I can help them in any way from them watching my stuff, then, then that makes me really happy with, uh, with how I've been spending my time. 
I love that, man. And again, I can't say enough good things about your content. I watch a ton of it. I think it's excellent. I'm going to go back and watch even more of it. There was a lot of things that I just didn't have time to finish getting through. So it can keep you very busy on that site. So talk a little bit about how, how do people find you? How do people work with you? Plug away anything you have right now. Awesome. So uh, figureitout.com is uh, where it, mostly it's for entertainment. It's for uh, for interviews uh, where I talk to different experts and I, I try and get them to explain how you'd be able to get into that business, even if you have all of the material disadvantages of having no friends or family or whatever. Uh, the so so that's that's a show for entertainment and that's you know by public persona. Uh, as far as things that I sell through that, you know, it's the books. I got attention, the attention to detail handbook, figure it out. Uh, that's available in Amazon and Google books. So if you can figure out how to spell Freidenberg, there aren't that many of me. So that'll, that'll help you find it really easily, but uh, it's available in paperback version and digital version and audiobook version. The audiobook version is by far the most popular one, but uh, the other, uh, the other book that I, uh, that I have that you can find on Amazon is called eat your boss's lunch. And uh, Eat Your Boss's Lunch is about how you create a business out of what you're already doing. And the digital version is a book for a buck because it's a nice little uh, a short one. It was originally a tripwire. If you know your funnel uh, terminology, it was originally a tripwire, but then I, I ended up getting it in a, a print version bu- book as well. But, uh, but that's, uh, that's the other way. And then as far as getting a hold of me, uh, uh, otherwise, uh, you know, just through social media, tag me, you know, shout me out, just, uh, go ahead and uh, message me or anything like that. Uh, but, uh, if you want to know more about me as a professional, danfreidenberg.com is the spot for that, but I got to fix the, um, the mobile optimization for that one. Cause I got this little, <laughs> this little minor guy who's going through a cave with a little light on his head and it looks awesome <laughs> on a desktop, but. That it, you know, I, I built it in Taiwan like seven years ago, I think. And so, you know, the mobile, the mobile optimization is not where it really needs to be. But uh, of course, there's also the hat funnelfixing.com for any IT services and including the, uh, the funnel assessments that, uh, that I like to focus on, which is where you actually will get personal care, you know, from me, where I'll take a look at what you've got online and say, okay, well, I tweak this, or let's, let's do a whole thing from start, you know, uh, you know, doing these different things. Uh, but also it's a matter of, um, I started putting out all these videos to draw attention to the fact it's like, I can take, I, I can take a bunch of data and make sense of it. And, uh, so, so when it comes to a business, you never know what's actually wrong and it might even be a toxic employee. And, and that's a situation most people want to avoid, uh, is, you know, basically saying, Hey, you know, you should fire that guy because he's terrible for your company. Uh, I have no problem doing that just because I'd be there talking to the person of saying like, okay, so why is your productive productivity not where it's at? You know, like, like, would you be happier doing something else? Okay. I'm not here for your job, but I do have a, a, a responsibility here to make sure that everybody's pulling their weight. And, and, and so, uh, you know, let, let's have that conversation saying like, okay, like, do you have some irreconcilable differences with the boss or your supervisor that's making it impossible for you to be effective? you know, what exactly is going on. And so like funnel assessments is really to look at anything in your business and funnelfixing.com is the spot to, uh, to find me that for that. 
Outstanding. You, sir, are definitely a renaissance man. I think that's a very great title for you. You're doing more and you're bringing your A-game to many different things, which is very rare. So I appreciate it. I got a lot out of your content, a lot of your interview. I enjoyed talking to you all morning. Any final thoughts before I let you go? I just really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to look me up and, and check it out. Because uh, uh, like I always have this uh, uh, this idea in my head that all of my content is extremely inaccessible. And I'm always <laughs> eager to find somebody who, you know, has actually put in the time because I, I know uh, because of your podcasting, you've heard a million people say, oh, I, if that made any sense. And sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But I think that that's something about people, people in general, you know, like you, you have that, you know, little click in your head. of It's like, OK, I know I said what I wanted to say, but I don't know if that actually answered the question. Uh, I've I've fortunately been able to get that one locked, but uh, you know, I still have that, um, that feeling that, uh, the stuff that's out there is more difficult than, um, uh, than, it, than most people, than some people would like or something like that. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think the content was ever supposed to be, uh, uh consumed in its entirety anyway. It's basically like spot fixing different parts in your life that you neglected and go on. It's like, okay, so you're finally going to come to finding out how like the federal reserve system works. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about that. Cause even if you know it a little bit, it's like, do you really have a lock on it? Cause I know I'm a really smart, smart guy. And it took me years before I could say, I've got this locked. I know exactly what they do. I know why they do it. I even know why it's okay. <laughs> right. Which is, that's the real problem is like, like, is it okay to be controlling everybody's lives with little pieces of paper with people's pictures on them and numbers. It's like, so, you know, that's, that's basically who I am and what I do, I guess. I love it, man. Well, thank you very much for talking with us today. I got a lot out of this. I will obviously tag you. Anybody who's listening to this wants the direct links. They'll be in the show notes and uh, I'll shoot you everything for it. It's been an honor talking to you, sir. You definitely bring your A game and I appreciate your time. Thank you, Nick. Take Have care. a great day, man. Ever wanted to play the drums or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught Tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-482-0167. Again, text DRUMMER to 833-482-0167 for your free drum lesson.